Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Things go wrong. Um, Even the best laid plans, right? It's how you respond to those that, in my book, are really the, uh, what make or break a team and what make or break a product or a company as well. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the Nice Podcast, all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from futureforth.com, where we help fast-growing technology companies retain talent and improve culture so you have happier, more connected teams. And today I'm speaking with Scott Lockhart. Scott is an Australian-American entrepreneur and real estate technology expert known for his innovative work in the real estate tech and leadership roles with Showcase IDX and EXP World Holdings. Scott, welcome to NICE. G'day, Dave. How's it going? I am grand. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. This is good. Good, good, good. I'm uh, yeah. I've been looking forward to, to catching up. I know it's been uh, I guess a couple of months since we last corresponded, and uh, yes, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I always like to begin these things with uh, one question, which is, what is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? Uh, the nicest thing that someone's done for me recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the small things for me. It's uh, when someone says they can do something, and they actually do it. Uh, I mean, I, I keep the bar low uh, for, for that kind of thing because uh, I like dopamine hits. So um, just, you know, I work with a bunch of folks. I've been kind of out for the past few weeks with uh, the lingering effects of, uh, well, COVID and the lingering effects and seeing kind of the team come together and kind of support me when I wasn't either in the, you know, online and actually working and also with some of that brain fog, uh, it feels really good to have people's support uh, and not having to worry about uh, you know, what's going on and, and, and things like that. So, I mean, that's, that is honestly the nicest thing and to have you know, 40 people there behind me uh, feels really, really good. And yeah, and I'm glad you're you're feeling better now. And um, yeah, that's a, Thanks, always, mate. Always yeah. a scary, scary thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, your team and how, like, did you have a plan in place? Should you drop or not drop, but get ill from uh, COVID or something like that? Do you have like a contingency plan like that? Or tell me a little bit about how they picked up the pieces, you know, while you were sort of out of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a relatively small team in our company Mm. Uh, and, uh, about 40 people right now, um, and I have uh, three VP-level folks who support me, uh, who I work with probably the most, um, one-on-one and, and, and together as a small team. And, uh, yeah, essentially setting it up uh, ahead of time to make sure that everyone kind of knows what they're doing, that we have OKRs and we have a plan, and that if I'm out unexpectedly or 
especially expectedly if I'm on vacation or something like it's not the end of the world if I'm not around. Um, and I see that as a strength, not a weakness. It took me many, many years to get to the point where I didn't feel like I had to be online and plugged in every moment of the day just in case someone needed the CEO. Uh, you know, it's important to be able to step away. And it's also important to be able to create create an atmosphere where you're not necessary for everything. People can make decisions on their own and make good decisions on their own uh, it is even better. <laughs> Uh, while you're out, whether it's an expected outage or an unexpected one. How did you learn? Like you, so you started showcase IDX in 2003, right? So it was actually started by someone else. Uh, They started it as a, as kind of a website, kind of a turnkey website company for real estate Mm. and uh, kind of grew that to a certain point. It was really only in Florida and Georgia uh, and then brought me in about 10 years ago uh, in July, actually. Uh, to really take that and kind of pivot it into a WordPress plugin, which at the time was where the market was going. So we kind of took the concept and uh, really built a business, a multi-million dollar business around um, creating uh, agent search. So, uh, sorry, uh, property search, like you'll see on Zillow or Redfin, something like that, for real estate agent websites, for real estate agents who are using WordPress. Interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting nowadays. Yeah, I, actually, I was just having a conversation with somebody this morning about um, about technology and terminology and technology. So, because that can get confusing when you're communicating with with colleagues and and uh, and you know prospects and clients and so forth. And uh, we were talking. I brought up CMSs, which are content management systems, which are really WordPress. <laughs> They're like it is, yeah. It's, which is ultimately a blog. So like, it's amazing now that like all of our websites are, you know, CMSs, content management systems, but they're actually like really just powered by RSS still, you know? Yeah. I mean, so WordPress has really become the dominant platform for that across the web, right? So it's not just real estate, but across the web, but some incredible amount of websites, some incredible percentage are are powered by WordPress, which was originally a blog, uh, but uh, Automatic and Matt Milligweg. Uh, really created it, uh, was smart enough at the beginning to kind of make it much more flexible. Um, and, uh, you know, folks have taken advantage of that with a really big plugin um, community uh, and a lot of businesses built on top of the WordPress pl- uh, platform. That's true. Yeah. I love, I, I do love WordPress. Uh, my site's actually on Squarespace nowadays, but, um, but I'm a fan of, of WordPress and, and how far it's come. It's actually, it's pretty, pretty astounding when you think about it. I mean, I, I think I might've had my first WordPress blog in like 2004, maybe I would say. And, uh, yeah, it's come a long way, baby. It's, it, it certainly has. It certainly has. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like an early lesson of leadership that you learned. It could be from Showcase IDX or, or previously even. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the earliest things I learned is that I can't do everything myself. As much as I want to, as much as, uh, as, much as I am pretty capable of doing uh, a lot of different things, I'm kind of one of those uh, entrepreneurs and founders who has pretty much done every job at the company at one point or other. Mm. Uh, My current title in Slack is janitor because that's how I feel. Uh, (laughs) But but really it was learning that you have to let other people do their jobs. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. And also the tougher lesson there for people who are leading teams is letting your team make mistakes. Uh, and learning that uh, there's such thing as a good mistake and there's a, such thing as a bad mistake and being able to identify both fairly um, has, was something that it took me a long time to learn, quite frankly. It wasn't something that I was born with at all. Uh, whether the tolerance of um, making mistakes or even just really kind of looking at them and saying, okay, well, was this a good mistake or a bad mistake and how can we learn from it? And the bad mistakes typically in my book, are mistakes that are repeated. Oh, that's a great, yeah, that's a great point. So how did you empower your team members to make those mistakes? Well, part of it's psychological safety. 
um, and making sure that you have a culture where folks can be honest about um, whether, you know, something's gone wrong or they've made a mistake. It's something, you know, or it can be as simple as I made a decision. I thought it was a good decision. It turned out not to be. <laughs> you know, we, we all do that. I mean, I do that all the time. Uh, and understanding that and kind of giving kind of psychological safety around that part of work, which is so crucial, allows us to tackle mistakes faster, be more honest about, you know, and what has happened. And, you know, in that response is really where the value is really where a team can shine. It's not if something's going to go wrong because it's going to. Like something, things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, even the best laid plans, right? It's how you respond to those that, in my book, uh, really the uh, what make or break a team and what make or break a product or a company as well. Yeah, I love the quote, failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success, right? Yeah, it's necessary. You don't learn like you know we experiment we try things we prototype and you don't get it on the first go very rarely um does that happen yet there's still this thing out there this perception that we have to get it right the first time and having an understanding that if you can get it kind of right the first time that's great uh and then you iterate and then you move on from there so you, you mentioned bad mistakes being mistakes that are repeated, which is, which is great. Mm. Well, tell me a little bit more about good mistakes. Like what are some examples of good mistakes? Um, good mistakes are where you th- would have thought that something is, uh, would work. Um, or, you know, even if there's a lesson to be had culturally or technically or in process, you know, sometimes we create processes with the best of intentions and the processes theoretically work. Even if you've socialized it with a team and everyone says, yeah, let's do it this way. And then you document it and you say, this is our SOP. This is our standard operating procedure. And sometimes they still don't work. So that's a good mistake because you're doing the right thing on the way to a better result. And it just, like you said in that quote, you know, failure is part of success. You don't, you don't learn by not doing, <laughs> you learn by doing. Right. And you talked about some pro like processes as well. Do, are there, you, and you mentioned earlier about Slack. Is that, is that something you use uh, mainly to, to connect and, and to communicate with your team or are there other platforms or services you use? I mean, we use a pretty diverse um, stack of different um, different tools depending on what it is. So the company that I, you know, Showcase IDX was acquired about 18 months ago in August 2020 uh, by EXP World Holdings, whose companies include Vibella, which is a uh, VR uh, work enablement online virtual workspace mm. and uh, EXP Realty, which is the fastest growing real estate company in the world. They bought us to work for EXP Realty, right? Mm-hmm. And EXP Realty uses Vibella a lot and Frame VR, which is a new in-browser version of a virtual workspace. So we do use that. Uh, we also use Slack internally. Uh, pretty much 99.5% of my internal communications with my team is through Slack, um, written communication with opted to not use email really at all internally. Hmm. Um, I hear from people on our team quite often that they haven't checked their email in many days and (laughs) because that's just not how we communicate. Um, And, uh, you know, but then we also for, you know, virtual meetings, we do use Vibella and FrameVR, which are, you know, part of the kind of sister companies of us. Um, But also we do use Zoom and Google Meet, you know, what, whatever tool fits the job best, that's kind of our approach. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of leaders uh, on the podcast and, and I hear, you know, Slack come up uh, frequently. Um, yeah. But I do find it interesting, like as a person who now I don't have a big team. So, uh, you know, I, I use I use email personally and then Slack as well. But I do find uh, email works quite well. Uh, for my business, but 
um, are, are there occasions where perhaps part of the uh, part, and maybe you've covered this in the on, sort of the onboarding of new talent to to understand Slack and and how not because. It sounds like if they send you an email or if they send someone else on the team an email, that may may go, you know, unnoticed for some time versus a Slack message, which, you know, gets addressed pretty quickly. So, you know, is that part of like the onboarding uh, procedure or or tell me about that? Absolutely. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on onboarding and it even starts beyond onboarding. So I interview everyone who gets to the office stage uh, to start and really my interview, I guess it's technically an interview, mm. uh, is really a discussion about culture and setting expectations. And it's the final opportunity for them to uh, really ask some tough questions from kind of where the buck stops <laughs> with right. me yeah. uh, to make sure that what they've heard from uh, recruiters and from uh, team leads and also we, we do a lot of um, cross-team interviewing as well but making sure that the, that there's no uh, dissonance between what they're hearing from everyone and especially from me. Um, and that works out great. So what we then do is we set up that expectation right right from the get-go um, before they're even signed an offer. And then through onboarding, we do that. And occasionally people will come in and they'll send an email and you know they'll either learn the hard way that no one responds or they, they respond, it takes a while, or um, someone... <clears throat> whoever the recipient is was like, hey, this is actually something that's best for Slack. So, and then just kind of train that way. In addition and to the kind of onboarding training, um, actually doing it and having the whole team um, kind of push, uh, not push the culture, but embrace the culture. Mm. It, do, it, it It's a lot more than what I can do as one single person, regardless of my title, is like where I see the wins is when... Uh, folks on our team are embracing our values and actually and embracing the process that we've all decided is what we're going to go with and actually doing that from any level of the company and we're quite flat and that's this is actually one of the ways that having kind of a a flat-ish org structure really really works is because it this kind of stuff just doesn't come from the top it comes not just from one person it comes from a bunch of people and to to man- to get there it's a lot of very very intentional consistent discussion about culture and how we work together and really just talking about that way more than i ever want to yeah <laughs> you know i'm like i've i've said that i don't need to say that again no i've got to repeat it all the time because by the time i'm starting to get sick of saying it people are just starting to hear it and live it. So it's one of those things is, as a leader, um, you know, getting those things like Slack into the culture. Um, there's plenty of other examples too of just how we treat each other and how we work together. Um, it's not a one-time, I'm in a all-hands meeting and I'm going to say, this is how we do it. It has to be, uh, well, the input expectations have to be set and then they have to be followed through on. Um, even when it's hard and even when it's difficult. Um, and that's how you get that kind of um, success in getting new people in to understand that Slack is the the way that we do things. And, you know, even more fundamental, like the process, like our product development process, how we just baseline treat people yeah. and what we don't put up with um, because we're very low drama because uh, drama is... Um, is uh, avoidable um, in the workplace if you deal with things the right way early. Mm. Um, certainly, people are always going to get kind of a little bit peeved at each other. Uh, it happens, mm. but you know, there's ways to address that. I think um, that we've been rather successful with. We're not perfect, but um, but it's certainly probably the most drama-free um, workspace with is, is with the team size that we have right now. That, that I've operated in and it doesn't seem to be changing, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> is the team remind me now, um, because, well, you, you had me deliver a, a presentation 
the ROI of Nice a while back for for your team, which was an absolute pleasure, and and they were very engaged, and you know I could tell like they were they were, you have a, a great culture there. Uh, it was pretty pretty clear, and uh, and their feedback was fa- fantastic. Is the team fully remote, fully distributed now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that. We did that. Uh, we started that actually before we were acquired because of the pandemic. Um, we had an office here in Atlanta, uh, but we were a very small team before we were acquired. Um, we had around eight people. Then we went down to six. So in the past 18 months, we've grown to 40. Uh, and, you know, with that and the fact that our uh, the company that acquired us is fully remote, uh, and that's a big part of their culture. It, it was it was just the decision to make. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I, f- I feel. Do are, do you do um, any functions or events in person to bring your team together? You know, occasionally or once a quarter or a year, like retreats or something like that. We haven't yet, um, but we have had people kind of meet up regionally and, uh, you know, going to a conference here. And I was in a conference uh, a week or so last week in Portland where a small group of our engineers were there. Um, But we are doing a, at the end of the summer, our first showcase summer camp where we are actually bringing everyone in from across the United States. And they are literally across the United States um, to a summer camp. Um, we're even looking for uh, school buses to pick them up from the airport in. Um, <laughs> I love it. So I, I think that's really important. Um, I think the the remote thing is great in many respects. I, I don't think there's I, – I think you can get productivity increases over being in an office. That being said, there's something to be said for being in front of people and seeing their reactions in person and getting to know people on a personal and human level that you just don't. Uh, you know, and we try real hard, and it's just not the same thing to being in front of someone and you know, uh, being able to have a chat, relax, and just kind of you know get to know someone in person. Um, so for us, we, we try and be very, very intentional about that for creating spaces at work, whether it's after a, uh, um, after a, a standup or a meeting to kind of have some casual banter time. Uh, we also have like a biweekly, uh, kind of happy hour, which is, uh, Friday afternoons, uh, which is also Friday afternoon, kind of 4 PM Eastern, which is 1 PM, uh, on the West coast. Mm. Uh, but where we can just get together and kind of have some fun and just kind of, you know, we do some various things. You, your talk was one of the one of the things. So we actually try and do stuff for that that just kind of uh, is a little bit more relaxed and chill. And sometimes it's exceedingly stupid. Um, we had a online petting zoo, which is about as <laughs> stupid as it sounds. Uh, and the whole time I was like scratching, I was just face palming, going, "I've gone too far," because I found it exceptionally amusing <laughs> as a CEO to to do this. Um, but the reaction was awesome. Like everyone really got into it because the person presenting was treating all of us like we were four and it was just so ridiculous. It was awesome. Um, and you know, that's, you know, keeping it light is, um, is important. You know, that we've got a lot of serious stuff that we deal with. We deal with, you know, especially kind of as a leader, you're dealing with emotions a lot uh, your other people's and your own. And, uh, you know, it's important to create an atmosphere where people can talk to you and they feel like it's not like, you know, getting sent to the principal's office when they talk to me or something like that. Um, this is kind of not the way I roll anyway, but it's, mm. <laughs> it's important to, to be able, and it's not just to me, it's having people be able to talk to each other, um, in a really, really positive way is, is really, really key. What, what are some tips for in making, you know, yourself as a leader, more approachable, less feared, you know, that kind of thing. Um, don't yell at people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I'm not, a, I'm not a yeller anyway. I'm more of a, like, I, you know, if you think of a parent, like I'm very disappointed in you right now. Um, <laughs> no, and I don't do that. No, I think approachability I mean, 
is something that is not a singular thing, but as a leader, you can, you should be influencing the culture of approachability and it should not just be about you. It, everyone needs to be approachable. And I think one key tenet that we've really taken into our um, entire culture is the concept of assume positive intent. And that for me personally has been kind of life changing because uh, I didn't always assume positive intent. But when things go wrong and someone you know screws something up or it doesn't go right or they say something, don't always jump to the worst conclusion of their motivations is essentially the what's behind it. And you know we call it API. You know, sometimes we'll be like, <clears throat> we'll be in a meeting and it's like, API, come on, chill out a little. Uh, you know, because people make mistakes and people have bad days. And, you know, what we've been able to do is really look at um, our culture and promote the fact that we're all here for the same reason. We want to succeed. And this is what success looks like. And this is what we're all going for. And if you can kind of create that vision... And then back that up with action towards that goal, even if you screw it up occasionally. Um, you know, that goes a long way to that because people then start to trust you. And it's all about trust, right? So if I know that everyone's kind of marching generally towards the, the same um, vision and kind of goals, uh, you know, if we want to look at OKRs, all that kind of stuff, that's one thing, but this is more of a more of a a marching to the same drum, mm. but everyone's playing a different beat on the drum, right? Yeah. But somehow it all works. And then once you understand that, you get that trust where you can say, "Hey, well, that was kind of a bit shitty, but uh, you know, they're probably having a bad day. I'm not going to jump to the worst case solution." Uh, assumption that they're they're trying to screw me over personally and once you kind of get that mindset it really really frees you up to be looking at what the problem is and not being kind of offended and um, getting up in your feelings about how someone's treating you as much and it, certainly you don't want to be naive about it um, but it, it's been pretty pretty transformational for us yeah, I think emotional intelligence is such an important thing, and and as you know, speaking of the uh, the API that you mentioned, I think uh, you know that that's part of the nice methodology and part of the framework that I teach is 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 em empathy, right? And which is really at its yeah. core what this is all about is you know pausing you know sl pausing long enough to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're communicating with and. And, you know, when you do that, you may realize like, oh, wait a minute, maybe, maybe they're coming, maybe they're just bringing it, you know, a different approach to this, or, or maybe there's been a misunderstanding that I didn't think about. Uh, and so, yeah, I think by slowing down and kind of assessing uh, the information and the delivery of the information that you can correct things. I love that. Yeah. So one of the other things we do to that end is uh, we use a set of reports called the Berkman. So it's B-I-R-K-M-A-N. Mm. And uh, we actually have a consultant that does a monthly kind of town hall session, uh, drop-in session for our staff to do it. But it's, I was very much against it when I first heard about it because I'm not a fan of like quote unquote personality tests. I think they're garbage and I think they have, I just don't like them because mm -hmm. usually you get them and then people go, oh, I'm a this, that and the other um, and no one ever uses them. Mm -hmm. The difference between a Berkman and that kind of thing is it has exceedingly prescriptive ways for individuals to communicate to, to define very you know, broadly and kind of specifically in some ways how people communicate so how they communicate out and how they best take in information as well um, and it has also been a massive tool for us to help especially when people aren't talking you know when they're talking past each other when one person's communication style doesn't mesh with another, when someone's being too direct and blunt, when the person on the other end, that creates a stress reaction in them and then they start, you know. <laughs> so, so it doesn't fix everything, but it allows us to identify stuff. And since we were 
all here for the same reason and motivated to do the right thing, it really helps our team communicate where I know I can't talk to this person in the way I normally would because it will freak them out. <laughs> and I and my motivation is not to freak them out. Right. So I want them to be successful and I want everyone to be successful because their success is my success. So I want to adjust the way I speak to this individual um, in a certain way. Um, and maybe that also is like they can't, you know, they're really bad at getting feedback in a group setting. So, you know, it, it allows you to kind of really adjust how you, uh, how you communicate. And really, at the end of the day, communication will make or break any company, any team, any, anything. <laughs> it's all communication, like at the end of the day. And you talked about empathy. Empathy is very important, obviously, um, to, to be able to kind of put, your, put yourself in others' shoes but even then, if you're not good at communicating that empathy, that can come across wrong too and can come across – it can demotivate people and uh, often lead to, you know, attrition. You know, the great resignation, I think, is a, is a perfect part of a sign that, you know, a lot of folks aren't communicating well. How do the, your team members communicate their Berkman – uh, communication, you know, uh, techniques or, or what have you, or, or maybe their personal sort of findings or descriptions from the, from the report. How do they communicate it with their colleagues so that if I'm, if I'm new and I'm reaching out to Scott about something, is there a way for me to know what works best yeah. for you ahead of time? How does that work? Yeah. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. So it's a few different things. So we have the monthly kind of... Berkman kind of town hall thing, which is mostly just kind of a drop-in kind of help thing with the consultant that we use. Mm. Um, but when people come on and they they do the Berkman, each person gets walked through what it means, how to use it. Um, we have a Google Drive with everyone's Berkman in it. It is not unless someone absolutely is vehement that they don't want, and because we, we're not going to force anyone to. But no one has done this yet. Mm. Um, but we have a Google Drive where you can go in to uh, see everyone's Berkman. We also have the ability to create custom reports um, that are actually kind of this relationship report where it's like, okay, person A and person B, and it actually drills down into those styles and actually gives recommendations based on individual reports, which is really good. They actually use this in relationship counseling a lot, um, which makes sense because work is very much, I mean, there's, you know, it's a relationship. Yeah, you know, you've you've got these people, and you've got very different people with different motivations, different uh, ways of communicating, different cultures. Um, myself being an Australian coming over here, I communicate <laughs> kind of differently than everyone else. And sometimes I've been over here long enough; it's about twenty years or so now that I've kind of picked up on, you know how to do it but like i remember originally like it was very difficult just the simple things the way i would approach things and, and talk about things to people would pe put people off um and i kind of learned that i didn't have berkman i just had to kind of learn the hard way <laughs> yeah are there are there what are some 
uh, and I know some of this firsthand for, from having you know many. I, I was a backpacker many years ago in Europe, so I've I've met and traveled with many Aussies along the along my days. What are some uh, differences with sort of Aussies and Americans? Uh, as a Canadian, I'm, I'm curious what your answer is here too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Um, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is like on the surface, the the, the cultures seem kind of similar, although Australian culture is actually a lot more European. Um, but to Australians, it seems very American because like in Australia, there's a lot of American stuff. Um, I think probably um, one of the biggest adjustments for Australians to come over here with is... Um, we're pretty blunt um, <laughs> and uh, we're pretty direct and tempering that a bit. Um, the kicker is a lot of us are very, very blunt, um, but a particular in how we receive blunt news. So it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things that I've had to, to learn. So if you looked at my Berkman, um, I'm kind of typical kind of leaderish type person. I'm very direct uh, but I use empathy and I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those folks. I don't think, and it's kind of backed up by the Berkman too, that where like, I actually care how you receive the information, Yeah. but I'm still pretty blunt. I'm still pretty direct, hmm. uh, especially in American kind of terms, but on the receiving end, oy, oy, oy. um, yeah, if you <laughs> did that to me, I would be like, are you bringing this? Are you, what, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't take it very well at all um and that's also something that that i've worked on over the years that that has really really helped helped me out because <laughs> uh, i realized that not everyone is uh uh not everyone understands um the best way to talk to me and to others so that's a big motivation behind actually doing the berkman and continuing it on so everyone new who joins the team does it and uh kind of you know starts to use it the way the way that we use it as a team i feel like the sub of this episode the title could be like how to talk to a nazi <laughs> kind of we're very, very very easy to talk to no i know we really are <laughs> no i know it i know it um and uh as a as a canadian yeah uh, you know because I've, I've lived in the states now for uh, gosh 15 years and so yeah i've certainly uh picked up picked up on things myself so interesting Interesting. So who is someone that was especially nice to you in your career? So I had, um, so I started off my career. I, I've had so many jobs. It's crazy. Uh, like even, you know, post college, hmm. uh, professional firefighter. Oh, wow. I, I worked, you know, at small little places and kind of really worked my way up, uh, and uh, ran a hardware store with my dad in Sydney. Then I met a, uh, you know, my wife's American, so we moved over here about 20 years ago. Um, the job that brought me to Atlanta um, was uh, in real estate, uh, CTO of one of the largest real estate companies in the country. And uh, about midway through my time there, they hired a CEO. And uh, he was uh, the... Uh, his former role was in retail, running a massive swath of uh, some of the biggest retail stores in the country at the time, and he was looking for something different. Um, and I was young. I kind of cringe when I think back because mm. I was CTO of a multi-billion dollar company at, I don't know, it was like 28 or something like that. <laughs> and I look back now being in <clears throat> the age I am now and just kind of go, Wow, I had a lot to learn. And he, uh, his name was Steve Graham. And uh, he was, uh, as well as the CFO that was there at the time, John Gardner, um, really uh, kind of took me under their wing and taught me some of the kind of hard business and, you know, uh, just life, <laughs> how to be successful mm. um, and how not to hate work and how to talk to people, um, that was that was really, really, uh, you know, in terms of nice, it was the, the nicest thing anyone could have ever done for me. And that's something that I try and pass forward in all the folks that I work with, um, whether they're on my team or even in the whole of EXP is, um, is, you know, 
I think mentorship is so important. And then when you get it, and I'm still uh, like my boss right now uh, is Glenn Sanford, who is CEO and founder of EXP World Holdings. Um, and uh, I learn stuff from him all the time. I am not, uh, I'll never stop learning. But having, being able to pass on the knowledge and experience so that someone hopefully doesn't make the same mistakes as you. Um, and I've made plenty. Um, you know, I've made a couple of doozies, but I've learned from most of them. Uh, like there's still a couple of things I do that I could probably do better at, but, uh, but overall it's, um, you know, Steve and in particular, John, um, at, at Remax, Greater Atlanta back in the day, uh, really at that time, it was really formative and transformative for me. Um, and I, I still use, um, what they taught me and kind of the advice that they gave me uh, to this day. Uh, how do how do people find mentors? It's a like it's it's something I hear a lot about and um, and it comes. I know mentorship comes in different forms as well. I mean, reading a book or listening to a podcast like this uh, can help. But you know, connecting with other thought leaders, you know, the, the old line, you know, you, you always want to be the, the, or you never want to be the smartest one in the room. Uh, yeah, for sure. What are, what are some tips that you have possibly for folks listening to maybe find a, a mentor, find people to, to learn from? First of all, you need to want to learn from other people. Hmm. I mean, that's the first, the biggest step. If you don't want to, and you're doing it just to say, oh, I had this person as a mentor, that person as a mentor, that looks great on LinkedIn, but you're not going to, like, it's it it's not going to work. <laughs> uh, mentors are everywhere. Yeah. They are absolutely everywhere. I mean, I'm mentored by literally the youngest engineer on our team. I get mentorship from them. Mm. Uh I get mentorship from other leaders within, you know, the EXP World Holdings uh, group of companies. I get a ton of mentorship from the VPs on my team, mm. all of which in their respective areas are way better at what they do than, than I am. Uh, and, you know, I see my job really as kind of a few things is working on the people and the resources and the vision and, you know, in order to do that, I have to understand stuff that uh, I have to learn new stuff and I can't just be stuck in my own head uh, about this is the way to do it because this is the way I say, you know, uh, because honestly, I, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about. There's a lot of stuff I do know about too. Mm. Uh, but, but mentors can be anywhere and you just have to be open to seeing it. And it's so easy to reach out to folks these days um, being creative depends on it depends on who you're going for like you know a lot of folks like hit up like folks like Gary V and stuff like that like Gary Vaynerchuk and and like these super high profile guys who just don't have a lot of time and unless you're exceedingly creative and can get to the point and be like hey I want to spend three minutes with you on the clock I just have one question you know you can do that kind of stuff but where the value is, is like depending on the, what industry you're in or where you want to go mm. um, and it, talking to the people who do what you think you might want to do um, and uh, you can find those people anywhere and generally most people are up for talking um, and, and uh, answering questions and giving some advice. You did a video a while back, and I wrote a blog post about it because I was so in, I love the idea, um, and I wanted to share a little bit about this before we move on to the lightning round, and we'll wrap things up here. But what's okay. it? Uh, so you did a video, and it was called "What's It Like to Work at Showcase IDX," and you had your staff uh, kind of answer that question, you know, sort of unedited, unscripted, you know, on their webcams at home, um, and then. The, the, those clips were all kind of pasted together into into a single email or a single video, which I yeah. thought was a great a great uh, a great idea on a few different levels. I mean, one, I think almost like journaling in a way when you communicate 
uh, verbally or, or write it down like something you like, like I started journaling last year and I start, or I've journaled on and off for many years, but I started doing like a what's going right. Uh, uh, so I start every journal entry with what's going right. So it starts mm -hmm. on a positive note. And in this way, you know, it's people expressing, you know, what it's like to work there. Um, and that naturally is, is, you know, you would help or you would hope uh, it's a positive answer, of course. Um, and they are. So, but then also as a promotional tool um, to help recruit new talent, I think it's also a really smart idea. Tell me a little bit about the video, how that idea came up and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that was born out of a recruiting need um, because, uh, you know, we have what we feel is a really great culture. Uh, you know, we've got actual values and we actually follow them, which is different in my experience to other places where that stuff was just kind of on a web page somewhere. And when the rubber hit the road, whatever was more convenient to the company was what was going to happen. And, um, you know, regardless of whether it was a company value or not. So, underlying our culture is one of our biggest selling points for people to come into work for us including the, the kind of interesting work that we're doing especially on the engineering side we've got we've got some big opportunities and problems that we're looking to solve so what i wanted to do what i saw was a hole where we weren't really getting across the culture outside of you know a job description you know in a uh, in a job ad right I wanted a way to actually show that it's not just me. Like I could do it. Like I could totally do the same thing. What it's like to work at showcase and all that kind of stuff. And that would be fine. But I also thought that, you know, I'm biased or I should be biased and like all of our other leaders should be biased. So let's get like, you know, people who aren't VP and above to kind of answer these questions honestly and let's package it up and uh, honestly it it worked better than i could have ever imagined uh the first time i saw it i i mean even thinking about it, i kind of get goosebumps mm. because that's my motivation especially when it comes to culture is when i've got someone saying i've gone to work every job i've ever done within six weeks i was looking at exit plan and looking how to move on to the next thing and this is the first job i've never had to do that and i've been here far longer than that mm. um you know that feels really 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 good especially with my job which is that like i like my job is to facilitate culture not be it right mm. and when i see the entire team be able to paraphrase mm -hmm. kind of what it's like what those cultural values are but then relate it to their actual experience is so powerful and um it's really really resonated with um with people who have been recruiting uh and and works really 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 well yeah i'll make sure to include a link to that in the uh, show notes on the episode so folks can can find That'll that be great. all right so let's move on to the quick lightning round uh so complete this sentence nice guys and gals finish period nice what's a nice <laughs> book that you recommend to the nice makers listening um a nice book. Um, I'm a bit uh, actually. Uh, it's not businessy. It's called That's a heartbreak. Like it's it's a heartbreaking work of staggering genius by David Eggers or Dave Eggers. Okay. Uh, so it's heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Um, it really talks about life and the struggle and how to work through the struggle of life and uh, and look on the brighter side of things and to push through and uh it's uh for me it, it it's very very nice that's a great that's a great one uh i love it um and i haven't read it but it's now on my list so uh how is scott nice to himself oh that's a trick question um i really try and understand that I can't, I give myself permission to not be able to do everything all at once. And I give myself permission to 
do big things when I can, but also um, uh, uh, permission to kind of uh, to, to to steal steal something from a um, from a book I've, I've read. Uh, you know, permission to chill. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Um, it's really really important um, to be able to um, just. Um, not always be at a hundred, you know, sometimes we just have to step back and that's where I can get the, uh, get kind of some of the perspective I need to do my job. The best is not when I'm just all up in it. And that is me being nice to me. Mm. If you had a billboard, what would it say? A billboard. Uh, Scott tries to be the best person he can. To him and everyone else. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Scott, man, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. It's absolutely been a pleasure. How can people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you just do a search for Scott Lockhart, uh, he's probably going to have a link on, on the on the podcast page. Yep. Um, that's probably the best way of getting a hold of me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dave. Been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Nice Podcast. Please leave a review if you enjoyed this episode at friend.nicepodcast.co. And you can find show notes, links to other episodes, and lots of other goodies over at nicepodcast.co. Music by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. We'll see you next time and be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.